as a buyer, we can negotiate a little bit better now. Take advantage of that because the mentality of sellers is that it's completely a buyer's market and they're in trouble and the, right. the market's gonna fall out from under them. What's up guys, welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore, and I'm here with my main man, Dave Savulich, for our Whiskey Wednesday episodes. These are short, topic-based, to the point, get in, get out, and uh, hit a couple of the key topics and, and hot topics in the vacation rental industry, and then answer a couple of your guys' questions. So these are those episodes where you guys have a chance to email us in or post on our socials, some questions that you might have about the short-term rental industry, and so we'll make sure that we dive into those today, Dave. Yeah, let's so, do it. So we had, uh, we, had a, we had a big week in your family this last week. We it's did. been like a big uh, couple months, it's really, It's been a big right? three months, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, uh, we've been through a lot of uh, visits. It's a lot of uh, discussions, a lot of prayers, a lot of yeah. thoughts. Uh, my daughter, Sophia, committed to play soccer at BYU. So yeah. we're, exciting. Uh, we're pretty excited. Yeah, it, it was yeah. exciting. You guys were, yeah. I mean, she was on the road like crazy. You oh. guys were on the road like crazy. I mean, she's one of the top recruits in the country. Yeah. She's only a junior this year, yeah. which is crazy to think yeah. that, you know, she's that highly recruited as a junior. So yeah. congrats to you guys. Yeah, she, thanks. It's been awesome. It's been fun. But yeah. pull the trigger. She's going to stay kind of in the backyard. Yeah. You're going to well, see her Well, it's a couple. And, I mean, it's an amazing program. She'll play against the best. Um, yeah. They're ranked number seven in the country, and yeah. they have an amazing program. They've led the attendance in, in women's soccer in college five out of the last six years, and they're close to home. So That's we fine. get a chance to yeah. watch most of our games and, and support her. So That's yeah, awesome. so it was a big, big week. So we're super proud we, of her. So we're going to, yeah. I'm going to have, I should have, I should have worn my Cougar hat. I went and bought a Cougar hat when she committed. I, yeah, and I, was I didn't, like, you know, uh, I'll be honest. I didn't have any BYU gear at all. <laughs> I had a, you I had now to, have one, go get it. I yeah. now have one shirt. Um, all right. So I'm, I'm going to have to. Yeah, we're have excited. Have to buy a few things, I guess. So. <laughs> Likewise, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to start wearing cougar yeah. gear. So. so good. Well, let's get into it. Um, hey, man. A topic based item today okay. um, that we can kind of jump in and talk about is um, the one thing that's come up a little bit, and I've heard a little bit on social media and, and various platforms online and stuff is, and people have asked, is it a buyer's or a seller's market? You know, it comes up a lot on the news. Yeah. Um, real estate is a big question, whether it's any type of real estate, but is it a buyer's or a seller's market? And that goes into what we do in the short-term rental thing. So what what's your thoughts on that? Buyer's or seller's market? Yeah, it's a really, really interesting uh, topic to look at. And in my opinion, 100% it's still a seller's market. Mm -hmm. Now, that goes against a lot of how it feels like out there, what mm -hmm. it feels like. Yeah. Because we've been used to these markets, first of all, that have been if you had a property, you put it up for sale and it was sold in hours and you had multiple offers and it was selling way above asking right. price. We got kind of used to that. That's like a, not even a seller's market. That's like a seller's right. market yeah. on steroids. That was, yeah, that was yeah. crazy, right? And so but we kind of got used to that for the last couple of years. And so when that started to slow down, it started to feel like that it was becoming more of a buyer's market, mm -hmm. which 100% it feels like a buyer's market, but technically it's still a seller's market. If you look at stats kind of across the country and you have to be careful of looking at overall across the country stats when it comes to time on market and prices and offers and all those th different things, but it kind of gives you a baseline of where the where the, the general market is at. But real estate is really specific re regional, right? We hear about location all the time with right. real estate. Real estate, Stats are very regional as well. Yeah. But 
you will find just even on the overall national stats, your average time on the market the last couple of years, like in 2022, it was hovering right around 30 to 35 days on the market. At the, in 2021, it was, you know, the, at the even when things were selling like this in, in like felt like what was days, the average time on the market was still around 20 to 25 days. Okay. That's yeah. really short because yeah. there's, there are still always- short, relatively, that that's sell. super yeah. short. Yeah. Last year, it jumped up to about 35 days. This year, it's up to about 45 or 50 days. So time on market is going up, but that's still 50 days on the market is still absolutely a seller's right. market. And what right. determines, in my opinion, a buyer's or seller's market is supply and demand. Inventory levels are so low. When rates started rising, inventory levels actually just plummeted. It made it to where nobody was putting houses up for sale. Right. And so we already were at really, really low inventory levels, which is what spurred a lot of the problems that we had when, when things were selling so fast and prices were skyrocketing, there's no inventory. Rates started going up, they skyrocketed, they have skyrocketed the last year and a half. That puts downward pressure on demand. So there's not nearly as many buyers out there, but there was a lot of buyers that you could take off the table for the inventory that's available and still have right. this imbalance between supply and demand. Yeah. And so yeah. what I tell, and like we're, we're investing right now in this game and we're really taking advantage of one of the biggest frustrations is inventory levels are still really, really low. I don't know that that's gonna solve itself anytime soon. Yeah. I don't think yeah. rates are gonna come down enough to where people are gonna flood, put a bunch of homes on the market and say, okay, I'm jumping back in. If they right. do, all of us with properties are gonna be really happy because our property prices are it's gonna, gonna skyrocket. Go way up. When we're in our mastermind groups and we're in the buying phase and we're buyers, take advantage that the sellers feel like it's a sell, they, they feel right. like it's a buyer's market, right. you know? They're like, okay, I'm sitting on here for, you know, 45, 50 days, 60 days before I'm getting an offer. And, you know, I've got buyers coming to look in, but I don't have 50 buyers coming the first week, right? Right. That, right, right. When they got used to that, when that slowed down, they feel like, holy crap, the, the bottom fell out. It's tough. Demand's really not, not there. that tough. Not. You're yeah. still selling houses. They're still selling at, right. at, at top dollars. As a buyer, we can negotiate a little bit better now. We don't have to be coming in and typically competing with, you know, right. somebody at 50 grand over ask and waiving all contingencies. So take advantage of that because the mentality of sellers is that it's completely a buyer's market and they're in trouble and the, right. the market's gonna fall out from under them. If you're yeah. selling, realize that's not the case. Just look at the stats. It's still weighted more in your favor as a seller. So technically it's a seller's market, but it feels like a buyer's, a buyer's market. market. And yeah. so take yeah. advantage of that. Yeah, and that makes sense. Whatever side of the coin yeah, you're on. If you're the buyer, you feel like you're getting a little bit better deal because prices aren't as high and crazy and right. they're not selling as fast as they used to. But if you're a seller, you're like, oh, I, I feel like I gotta be a little bit more competitive because I'm not getting as many buyers in here, even right. though they are. And 50 days isn't a very long time. But when it compared to 25 days, it looks like a long time. It feels, it yeah. feels like an eternity, yeah. Yeah. right? And, yeah. and the reality is the houses that are selling actually sell faster than that. Right. There's always houses in every market, yes. that sit, even even yeah. in those markets that we're, that we're selling right. in. Both sides, you can take advantage of it and play it because the narrative and the thought process out there is that it feels like the market has completely slowed down. It has. I mean, it, it technically, yeah. Yeah. statistically, it has slowed down. Absolutely. But it hasn't slowed down to where it's the pendulum has swung where you've got over six months of inventory and that you've got, you know, more buyers than you have sellers or more sellers than you have buyers. And so because inventory level is just not there mm -hmm. and, and supply is that gap is so wide it's going to take so long for that to catch yeah. up and yeah. builders just can't build themselves out of it right we, right and we don't have the move up buyers with rates yeah. where they're at yeah. there's just a lot of people who aren't going to sell their homes and because 
trading up, all of a sudden you're doubling your mortgage payment instead of adding right. a couple extra hundred exactly. bucks onto it to, yeah. to trade up to yeah. a home. Yeah. And and you can't blame people for wanting to do that. Right. Lending has tightened up. It's mm -hmm. a little bit harder to get loans at, 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 in certain situations and, and types, especially on the investment side. There's things that have tightened up you have to navigate but when you can navigate that, and there's a lot more negotiating to be had as a buyer to negotiate with the sellers to get some concessions, to, yeah, to possibly yeah. get some owner financing and some carrybacks right. and some of those different things are on the table now and they didn't used to be on the table, which is really, really exciting, especially if, if you're in acquisition mode. Okay, well, let's get a couple questions from uh, okay. some of our uh, supporters out there. The first is from Nick. He said, what is the best way to find out if a property is zoned short-term rental? So that's a big question yeah. and and really probably one of the most important questions and a priority if you're yeah. getting into the short-term rental game. Yeah, anytime you're investing in any sort of asset class that is a, like a mainstream asset class, short-term rentals, multifamily, commercial, yeah. anything that's gonna be, you can't just right. go operate. There's gonna be rules or regulations. You have to look at the zoning in the very, very beginning before you get into the game, not after you decide where you wanna invest, not after you find a house. You have to do this when you're selecting your markets because some markets are pro short-term rentals, some markets right. are against them right. and say, hey, we don't really right. like them. It's a very first part of your underwriting where people make a mistake is they go ask realtors, they go ask, you know, the they go look on Airbnb right. or Verbo. I right. mean, one of the worst things to yeah. do is to go say, well, there's a lot well, of properties being on used here. used today as Airbnb. Yeah, and, Airbnb, oh, they, right? they've already done it and yeah. there's properties listed here, so I must be able to do that. That's not the case at all. Yeah. There's a lot of properties on Airbnb and Verbo that don't have licensing yeah. permitting and they're in areas that don't allow it. They might get shut down tomorrow. They might operate for who knows how long. It depends on who's policing the whole situation, right? As an investor, the number one thing you want to do is you want to get involved and get the actual rules and regulations yourself. And you okay. look at the state level. So you're looking at the municipalities and we're just going level by level because every level could have another rule or regulation, right? right? So right. I start at the state level. There's no states that completely ban them, right? So yeah. but start there. If that changes, that might change. Start, do, do your, does your state allow it? Then you go to the county level. What is what is required in the county? Are there permits, license requirements? What do I have to do to operate as a short-term rail? Then I go to the cities. And then I'm going to go all the way down to the HOAs. And you have to look at every one of those areas and they will right. have rules and regulations that are written out and posted. Remember, you can't just call these people because somebody might answer the phone that just got just hired last week yeah. that makes $15 an yeah, hour. And they're can. like, no, I don't think, I don't think so. Or yes, right. you can. I mean, right. you have to look at the actual rule and regulation right. to operate as a short-term rental. Yeah. So start at the state level, county level, city, and then don't forget your HOAs because a lot of HOAs will have rules yeah. and regulations as well. Well, and I think a good a good thing too to, to, to really realize is if you were buying a, or you're starting a new business and you were building a building or were buying a building and you wanted to, uh, a commercial property, you would make sure that you could, you know, it was zoned commercial. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so people just assume that that's no brainer. That's easy. They, but when people get into the short term rental game, they think that's such a big challenge and they're so stressed about it and worried about it. It's really not. It's just it's just like any other thing that you're doing. You just got to check the boxes yep. and make sure that where you're going to run an investment you know, business, short-term rentals, that it's zoned correctly and then you're good to go. Absolutely. So, and yeah. and it's, it, it, the confusion becomes where short-term rentals have matured so fast. They, mm -hmm. be, they become yeah. a mainstream asset so fast right. and now they're actually classified as an asset class, yeah. right? Where before they were just single family homes that people would rent for short terms, right, right? right? And so, and that's where I think the confusion lies is, oh, it's just a single family home and I just, I wanna put it on as a short term rental. 
that's not the case anymore. There are going to be, and like you said, if it was a commercial property, everybody would be like, oh, that's obvious. Yeah, right? exactly. You have to think right. about it the same way. Yes. It's its own yeah. asset class now. Yeah. It's its own mainstream asset. Right. And most municipalities, HOAs have addressed that issue. Where you come into problems is some of the rural areas that haven't addressed the issue yet. And, and you have to know no, that there's, there's risk no there. Right. Yeah, there's they no could rules. change it. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. still the wild, wild west. Yeah. And now that's those areas are fewer and farther between than they were three or four years ago. But that's an area that that's where you hear the stories of, well, that changed on me. Well, it, it did change to a yes or a no. There was always, you were just operating and it hadn't been addressed. Right. Usually you don't get it changed. If you've got a yes and you've got permits and licensing, you're going to be grandfathered in if they change yeah. the rules on you. Yeah. Next question. Uh, this is from Mary. Okay. Is using my HELOC a good strategy for an STR down payment? So is using a HELOC, home equity loan, line of credit, is that a good uh, strategy? Can be a phenomenal strategy. Now, when I say can be, it's because you have to use that HELOC responsibly. What you want to make sure is that the property you're buying can cover that debt service, right? right? It needs to be able to handle that much debt service because if you're going to use your HELOC for the down payment and then you're putting a primary loan for the rest of it, you're 100% financing a property. Right. And so you better have a property that's producing high enough the um, revenue pay. to make sure that you're paying yeah. that. I don't like over leveraging a property and putting yourself and your back against a wall, but we have many, many students, many, many people across the country that aren't even our students that have built significant wealth tapping into the equity right. in another property without having to sell that property. One of our most successful students had $15,000 in their bank account when they were starting this journey down to invest in short-term rentals. They had $150,000 of equity in their primary residence that they tapped into, used for a down payment on a property, and then three years later, one, that property was generating over $100,000 a year for them in income. So yes, they didn't over leverage right. it. It was 100% finance, but they knew that that property could service all that debt, right? And so it's really understanding your numbers before you make that decision, right. because just throwing your equity into another property doesn't always make sense. Yeah. But yeah. if the property can service that debt, you know, they've got basically a, an infinity return on that money. They put $150,000 in, they're putting $100,000 in their pocket every single year and they were only sitting on $15,000 yeah. cash in hand. Yeah, huge investment. Three yeah. years after that, they sold the property or two years, not even three, two years later, they sold that property, put over a million dollars in their pocket. So if they wouldn't have tapped into that HELOC, they could have never bought the property. They wouldn't have put seven figures in their bank account that they never had before. Right. And they wouldn't have been making $100,000 a year in the meantime. Yeah. Strategically can be a phenomenal use of equity in another home, but you have to be very, very careful understanding what you're going to put it into, make sure that it underwrites, make sure you understand the numbers so that you're not over leveraging property and putting yourself in, in your back against the wall. Good. Well, good. Well, good episode today. Short and sweet. Um, good points, yeah. good ideas. Uh, as always, good being with you, hanging yeah. out with you and spend a few minutes. And uh, we appreciate everybody's support and, and yeah. watching us on Whiskey Wednesdays. All right, guys. Yeah, you guys know we always do appreciate your time. We know how valuable that is. And thanks for spending it with us as we dive into some of these questions and topics. If you've got questions, make sure you get them to us. We'd love to answer answer them and address them on a Whiskey Wednesday, a future Whiskey Wednesday podcast. And we'll make sure we do that. And then always two favors I ask you. The first one is if you got any value out of this, if you like this, if you know somebody else that would get value, please share the show, like it. If you have more than 30 seconds, give us a review on whatever platform you're listening or watching on. We really do appreciate that. And then the final challenge for you every single time is to go pick one thing you can do today to start building that life you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends. Cheers, buddy. Cheers.